Good morning. Good morning. If you have a prayer request, please raise your hand and let the usher know so they can bring you a card and uh, make sure you put a yes on it, I mean a check on it, if you want it shared with the congregation. Good morning. I hate to stop you because you sound like you're having such so much fun talking, but the time has arrived. As the hymn goes, save us from this hour. <laughs> Come on, y'all can, you're laughing about everything else before that. Okay, I have a few announcements. United Methodist Men will meet Thursday, March the 21st at 6.15 at the Lakeview Steakhouse. Now, all the men of the church are invited to come, whether you've been participating or not. Come and join the official United Methodist Men program. Kids, our regular Sunday night programs will continue tonight. Remember, there'll be a St. Patrick's Day celebration. One more reminder about the annual uh, Easter egg hunt is Saturday, March the 30th at 2 p.m. in and around here, our Family Life Center. At 11 o'clock, Heath and Julie Dobson will be joining the church officially. I want you to know that. Next week is Palm Sunday. I know, can you believe we already went through our, this is our fifth Lenten Sunday. It's already Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is here next week. Remember, that is when we will return our special Lenten offering, the little banks. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's not too late, I think, to pick up one back there on the table somewhere. Little banks. We will be happy to take them full of change or full of paper, money, or checks. And if you forget to bring the little bank, you can always still remember to bring paper money or checks designated for the Lenten offering. In case you forgot, it goes to Heifer International this year. We're hoping to provide an ark full of sustainable agriculture and, and livestock and, and education for uh, a third world village. Remember that. Today, there are meetings at three, the Evangelism Membership Committee, at 4, the Council on Ministries meets today at 4 o'clock. There will be no confirmation class today. We will begin our Easter, spring break, Easter break early. We, you will have no confirmation classes because you're doing so well, you parents out there. I want you to know that, that these young people are doing great. That uh, we will pick back up on confirmation the Sunday after Easter, the Sunday after Easter. Okay, the, the band wants you to know that they're here and there, scattered here and there, but never fear the two that are here will lead us in the music program, okay? Two of them are gone on a youth trip, so just so you'll know. All right, I believe that's all I have. Anything else I need to say? Okay, then let us stand and sing and praise our Lord Jesus.
bow and pray together. Lord, we know you're here with us, and we thank you for that. Lord, we can feel your presence, and we can feel you within our hearts. Lord, just continue to shine through us. Just help us to be the light that you want us to be today and the rest of the week, Lord. Help us just to lift others up and to encourage others the best that we can so that we can let you shine. Lord, it's all for your glory. In your name I pray. Amen. It is a little weird to play with mystery band. your neighbor, pinch them if they're not wearing green, and children come to the carpet.
Good morning, everybody. I don't know about y'all, but I'm thankful for this green carpet this morning. How about y'all? Got some green? Is there anybody that needs some green? Because I brought some. Need a green sticker? Okay. I tell you what, I'm going to let you hand these out. Why don't we do this at the end and we'll put, you'll give you a green sticker. And if you have a mommy or daddy who needs one, you can take them one too. We don't want anybody getting pinched today. All right. Well, this morning, I brought something really special to show you. And it's so special, I'm not going to pass it around, so you kind of have to come in a little bit close to see it. This right here is one of my most prized possessions. It's just a simple gold ring. Do you see it? Everybody see it? You knew it was going to be a ring because of the box. Yeah, that was a clue, wasn't it? Now, I don't know how much this ring is worth, like money-wise or anything, but this ring belonged to Ella Kay and Hudson's grandmother who's now in heaven, and it actually was a wedding gift to me when I got married. And it's so pretty that I don't wear it much anymore. I just keep it here. Actually, it doesn't feel like it used to, but it's so pretty that I just keep it here, and it means so much to me that I can't imagine ever, ever, ever getting rid of this. So I would never consider selling it or doing anything with it because it's worth more to me than any amount of money in the world. Now, if I were to ask you to name your most prized possession, what would it be? Do you have one? That's a hard question, isn't it? What would yours be? It's my birthday. Something you got for your birthday? Yeah, those are, those are really special things. Can anybody think of anything else? Like maybe a stuffed animal you've had since you were a baby? What do you guys think? Your, your go-kart? Okay. All right, do you have one? Your TV, okay, yeah. Blanket. Your blanket. I have one of those too. I still have it. Uh -huh. A what? A stuffed bunny. See, y'all have some good ones too. And to somebody else, it might not mean very much, would it? But to you, it's very special. Now, if a friend came to visit you, would you be able just to give that prized possession that you just named away to them? No, I don't think I could give my, mine away either. Well, I'm getting ready to tell you a story about a woman named Mary and about something she did that was very special. One day, Jesus went to the city of Bethany. That was the city where a man named Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead, lived with his two sisters, Mary and Martha. While Jesus was in Bethany, a dinner was given in his honor. Lazarus was eating at the table with Jesus while Martha was serving the meal. Mary was just sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him teach. But as she was sitting at Jesus' feet, Mary did a very unusual thing. She took a bottle of very expensive perfume, and she began to wash Jesus' feet with it. Then she dried his feet with her hair. The Bible tells us that the entire house was filled with that sweet smell of her perfume. One of Jesus' disciples, whose name was Judas, was very upset by what Mary did. He said, what a waste. That perfume could have been sold and the money could have been given to the poor. It was worth a year's wages. Judas wasn't really worried about the poor, though. The Bible tells us that he was worried about the money because he often stole it from the treasury for himself. But Jesus came to Mary's defense and answered Judas. He said, leave her alone. She has kept this perfume for the day of my burial. Jesus said that because he knew that it was only a few days before he would be crucified and buried. I don't know if Mary knew that then or not, but I do think that Mary wanted to give Jesus the very best that she had to show her love to him. 
The perfume was the very best thing that Mary had to offer. Jesus, was give, has, Jesus has given us the most wonderful gift imaginable, the gift of everlasting life. It is free, but it had a very costly gift. It cost Jesus his life. What can we give to Jesus to show our love for him? I don't think he wants our rings or our stuffed animals or our TVs or our go-karts. I think he wants us to give him our very best. He wants us to give him our life. And if you'll bow your heads with me, we'll say our prayer. <coughs> Heavenly Father, Jesus gave us his life to show his love for us. May we always give our lives in service to him as an expression of our love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And happy St. Patrick's Day. And if you want to come get a green sticker before you leave, you can. I'm going to tell a little story while Miss Kenna's doing that. The, uh, she was talking about a favorite thing that you have with your child. Well, your pastor had this little teddy bear that I called Bobo. And I carried little Bobo with me everywhere I went. I mean, to bed, to the store, everywhere. And I carried little Bobo until I was about five years old. Until one day, my dear sweet cousin, she took Bobo put it into a garbage can. And that was back in the days of the big old barrels of garbage cans. And you'd oftentimes burn trash. And she burned my little Bobo in the garbage can because she felt like it, I was getting too old to be carrying around Bobo. So she probably did a good thing, but I'm still mad at my cousin. <laughs> As we begin our times of prayer, let us remember, I believe, uh, many things within our congregation, especially I want to remember Bob Dunlap, who had a major surgery since we met last. He's still in the ICU, uh, and he's still in serious condition. So I want to continue to remember him. Let us pray. Oh God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. O oh Lord, you are indeed the source of all our well-being. And so we come this day, O oh Lord, into your presence. We come humbly before you to offer our praise, our thanksgiving, and our petitions. And we come to confess, O oh Lord, our sins, both individually and collectively. We know that in your righteous laws, the way of life, but our earthly path is filled with sin and failure. Uh, we have counted on our own abilities uh, as worthy, yet we know that before you they are rubbish. Uh, we, came, we come now not standing in our own righteousness, but rather trusting in the grace promised by Jesus Christ. And so we pray, O oh Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you'd once more wash away our sin, anoint us with the oil of gladness, that we may uh, go about the business of being disciples of Christ, 
that you'd give us the strength that we need to proclaim the faith in our time, to proclaim boldly the truth of the faith. We pray, O oh Lord, that uh, you would continue to bless us and, and keep us and show mercy upon us. We pray, O oh Lord, this day also for those who are, are sick. Uh, we pray for Bob. Uh, we pray for Claire, who is recovering from cancer. We pray for others, O oh Lord, who are in our hearts. Uh, we, we pause now and pray for them. Lord, we pray that you would take into your loving care uh, all those among us and in our circle of concern who struggle, whether they struggle with the mind, the body, or the soul. And we pray that you would surround them with your love, that, that you would care for them in ways that we do not know how, and that you would help us all to accept your good and perfect will uh, for, for these things that we pray. Uh, we pray, O oh Lord, that you would hear our prayers. We know you hear our prayers and you would do what's best for us as we pray together as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I said earlier, this is our fourth Lenten Sunday. And Kenna has told you already what the scripture is. But I want to read it to you. Uh, chapter 12 from the Gospel of John, beginning at verse 1. Now, it's important for you to understand that this is uh, actually um, the uh, Bethany is, is a day's walk from uh, Jerusalem. And this is the last stop uh, of Jesus before he goes into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. And Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. And then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, help us as we have now journeyed with you from the moment you presented yourself in your public ministry uh, through the temptations 
through your many teachings, through the parables. And now as you are soon to enter the city of Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday, uh, we pray, O oh Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would enable us this day to understand and to answer that question, are we doing our best or are we saving it for another? We pray now in your blessed name. Amen. Okay. The kids are going to the library. Is that right? Are they supposed to go? Now. Okay, go over here if you're going to the library. Yes, this is something new for us. I'm glad that actually that it interrupted me this way. It's okay. I saw you come up here and sit, but it didn't dawn on me why you were coming up here. Because this is something new for us. We're going to take the kids, as we've been doing at 11 o'clock service, uh, you know, we take the kids to the library once a month. Well, Beth Roberts, who is our secretary's daughter, June, over there waving her hand, she is uh, volunteered to do, take this upon herself and make sure at the 9 o'clock children got to go to the library. And so, and we're going with two adults. To, we practice safe sanctuaries. They will return at the end of the service. So uh, y'all are free to go, and we're free, and we're happy that they're doing this uh, ministry with the children at this time. All right. Now, as I said earlier, this is the fifth Sunday of Lent, and next Sunday is Palm Sunday, and we begin this week that we call Holy, that begins with Palm Sunday, that takes us to the cross. We go to Holy uh, Thursday, the Last Supper, uh, I hope you'll come and be part of that uh, service. And then, of course, the cross on Friday and then uh, the resurrection on Sunday, Easter Sunday. And just to remind you, we will have our usual service in here at 9 o'clock for Easter. And then we'll have another service at 11 o'clock for Easter. Uh, and uh, so we'll have our usual two services, one here and one in the sanctuary. But it's important, I think, before I start just talking about what you just heard, is to know that the gospel writers saw this story and had a little bit of different uh, viewpoints on what they saw uh, when it occurred, okay? Uh, it's recorded in all four gospels, which is always taught to us that that's something important. It's kind of like uh, if the Lord says it once and then he says it twice, it's important. And so when the gospel writers, all four of them talk about something, it's important for us to try to discern what it is that the Lord wants us to hear. And during this event, as you heard, some rare and expensive perfume is poured on Jesus. Now in the book of Mark, the perfume is poured onto Jesus' head. In John, as you just heard, it's his feet. In the book of Luke, this happens during a dinner at Simon the Pharisee's house, and the woman is not named. In John, the woman is identified as Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. But regardless of the different perspectives that were remembered by the gospel writers, the act itself was seen as somewhat impulsive. It seemed somewhat embarrassing to some. But Jesus looks past the impulsiveness and the embarrassment and he sees a heart 
full of gratitude, a heart full of thankfulness, a heart willing and wanting to serve Jesus Christ as Lord. In fact, in Matthew's account, Jesus says she has done a beautiful thing. And yet we must admit that we are a little bit concerned ourselves as to this act. And we must wrestle with the fact that most people who were there saw it as something that was shocking. You see, Simon the Pharisee saw it as a shocking example of unrighteousness. An unmarried woman doing this intimate thing to our Lord. Judas Iscariot, who was shocked at the value of what was done. And even today, many people, when they read this scripture and ask questions about it, uh, seem to have a hard time with it. Uh, they seem to want to explain away, and they seem to want to figure a way that says we should not do such extravagant things, that somehow or another it's a waste. But I like to ask people, and, and I asked you today, are you saving your best? Are you saving your best for someone or something else? Or are you giving your best to Christ and to Christ's holy church? Is Christ and Christ's church first in your life? If not, what are you saving your perfume for? You know, back in those days, the travel was mostly by foot, and many people wore, were barefooted, or they may have wore sandals. It's kind of like people wearing flip-flops today. That was usually the only thing that was on their feet. They lived in a dry and arid part of the world, uh, and so a foot got quite dirty. And so uh, someone who would pour oil or perfume or water or anything on, on a foot or even a dusty head for that matter, uh, it would have been seen as an act of kindness. It would have been seen as an act of kindness. So I guess some would argue then that if this woman had just used the less expensive cachet, not the more luxurious uh, Elizabeth Taylor's, what is it, diamonds, okay, then it would have been all right. You know, I, I'm a kind of a cheapskate myself, I'll tell you right off the bat. Uh, thank goodness that my wife has loved cachet from this moment I met her. I still think it smells good on her. But cachet now is something that you can buy in bulk, <laughs> okay, uh, at very reasonable price. And I thank the Lord that she still likes it. But the point is that if you think that way about this uh, thing with Jesus, you have to ask yourself, why do you not think Jesus deserves this extravagance? Who deserves this extravagance if not Jesus Christ? You see, what was really poured out by, by, that, by that lady named Mary or a named woman, whichever the case might have been, was that she poured out boundless gratitude without consideration of cost. Now listen, she poured out boundless gratitude without consideration of cost. Boundless gratitude, lavishly poured out without consideration of cost, 
Is that not the mark of a true disciple? Think about this. Indeed, Jesus points out the difference between a true disciple and the bystander in the Luke passage. That's why it's important for you to, whenever you study the Scriptures and you find something, see what all writers said because they all give different perspectives. They all hear and are reminded of different things that Jesus might have said, just like we can't always remember everything that was said. It's interesting to me, out, out, coming out of sermons, how often people will tell me something that they heard, and I'm thinking to myself, I never even said that, but they heard it. Okay, Isn't that interesting? But Jesus says that the difference between a true disciple and a bystander, he says it this way in the Luke passage. Let me quote. Jesus says, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, yet you did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. And I tell you, her sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. Her sins have been forgiven because she loved much. You see, the one who loves much and the object of her love is the source of all love, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so shouldn't we love the Lord as much or more than anything else in our life? And shouldn't, if we know someone... Maybe we're not there yet. Maybe in our spiritual walk, and it's important for us to know this, that people are at different stages in their spiritual walk. But even if we are not quite there yet, we should not be against someone who desires the Lord so much that she's willing to sacrifice everything she has. We should be supportive. We should be supportive. You know, the different reactions we can learn something from. In Luke, uh, Simon the Pharisee, as I said earlier, misunderstood the righteousness of this woman, and he caused himself to distance, to be distanced from her, to distance himself from her. And this response reminds me that there are there are many whose actions we do not understand. Now listen, this is important, I believe. There's many whose actions we do not understand. Nevertheless, they and their actions, they are responding to Jesus' call on their life in the way they know how. And that's important. It's important that we're not found rejecting their actions that we're not found rejecting the purposes of God in our own manners and attitudes towards other fellow believers who express themselves in different ways. How many of you have prayed this week? How many of you prayed this week? How many of you prayed for your pastor this week? Okay, that's an important thing to do. How many of you prayed for the new Pope, Francis I, in the Roman Catholic Church? Does anybody do that? That's an important thing to do. There are brothers and sisters in Christ. We should lift up all 
who profess the name of Jesus Christ and who are trying to bring the gospel to the world. We must not reject others' expressions of the love for Christ Jesus because their manners or attitudes are different from ours. Now I said the purpose is of God. Now I don't presume that I know the purposes of God. But I do believe that we can see purposes of God as found in such things as love and peace, forgiveness, reconciliation, unity within the Spirit, just to name a few. And so it's important for us to see that in this particular story given to us, that this particular woman, whether it be Mary the sister or the unnamed woman as one of the accounts thought, that she could not find peace and forgiveness from those who were around the feet of Jesus. Now think about that. That's important, I think. That's an important cautionary word for us as disciples. Why was she not able to find peace and forgiveness in Simon the Pharisee's house or from the disciples and others around her? Whether she was at Lazarus' house? Probably what it was, just so you'll know, people were like, okay, now, preacher, the, it sounds like the, the, the scripture is confused. No. Some of the people writing it were a little bit confused. Probably one of the persons who wrote it didn't realize that they saw Simon the Pharisee there and they thought, oh, it must be Simon's house. He's an important guy. The bottom line is this. She did not find what she needed from others. Others who we thought she would. She found it from the Redeemer Himself, which gives me hope that I'll be judged by the Redeemer Himself and not all those around Him. It should give you hope. But it also is a word, I believe, for our time to think about the fact that what people truly need is a community of the redeemed. What people need is a community of forgiven and forgiving sinners. I was at a a clergy-wide seminar, uh, talk a couple of different seminars, and the bishop was there, our new bishop in, um, in Lexington on Thursday. And one of the people who spoke to us said, and I think it's important for us to hear this, that the majority of people are not in church, and when they ride by your church, their first thought is, I don't want to go in there. That's the last place I want to go. And if you think about it just a minute, we usually have closed doors. We usually have windows that are painted, stained or something, correct, that you can't see in. And we usually have a couple of guys standing in front, ushers. I don't know about you, but it doesn't really look welcoming necessarily to someone who does not know what goes on inside. It's important if we are to reach the world, to make new disciples, to change the world, that's the whole point, so that the world will operate the way the Lord wants it to operate, 
we have got to reach out and explain and express to people that we are a community of those who are forgiven and we are forgiven and we have been sinners ourselves. This story screams my, uh, my thinking for a supportive church. A church that is welcoming, that is more than just slogan, that in their actions towards others, they truly want the most important thing, which is love of Jesus Christ. That's what's most important. Now we can also learn, I believe, by Judas's reaction. Now Judas's reaction, of course, on the face of it, sounds pretty easy. We kind of think we understand Judas's uh, uh, opinion. Couldn't this money have been put to better use? And I don't know about you, but I hear this way more often than I like within the church. Oftentimes what we hear is we just can't do that ministry. We can't do that mission. We can't do that project or whatever it might be because we don't have the resources. And thinking like that, I believe, is similar to thinking of Judas. It reveals that we are far from being committed to Christ. We are way more committed to our resources than we are to Christ Jesus. And we shut our eyes, I believe, to the real work that the church does and the fact that Christ has divinely appointed the church for this work. Unfortunately, many do not see God in the grandeur of the symbols of our faith. Many do not hear the melody of combined hearts when they sing praises to the Lord Jesus Christ. Many do not feel a connection to the saints that have gone before us in the reading of the scriptures and our ancient creeds. And to them, the church stands for stuff that's silly. And the money could be used for something better. And they think they know best, as Judas Iscariot thought he knew best. But Jesus clearly tells us otherwise. Jesus says, the poor you always have, but you do not always have me. In other words, the spaces that are holy in our life, in other words, when the creator of all things is present, through the Holy Spirit, nothing can be too extravagant. There can be no cause or project that is not worthy if it is rooted in the sure foundation of Christ Jesus, sacred scripture, and tradition. And yet, I believe, if nothing else, this scripture helps us to understand that it's easy to forget it's so easy to forget the wonder of Christ's gracious gift to the world called the church. It's easy to take God's gift to the world casually, to take it for granted. And so let me just leave you with this because I'm running out of time. I believe we celebrate three, three things here in this scripture that's important for you to take away. First, we celebrate what is recorded in Matthew's account where Jesus says, I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel's preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. My friends, that prophecy is made true in your hearing and has been fulfilled every time this scripture has been preached. 
That's first. Second thing is every time a godly woman steps up and commits all that she has to the cause of Christ Jesus, His words ring true. She has done a beautiful thing. Third, we celebrate a hope, I believe, that comes in the remembering and retelling of Jesus' gracious reaction to her gratitude. You see, we find hope in this woman's gratitude. We find hope in Jesus' reaction to her gratitude. And I pray that we will let this gratitude this extravagant gratitude for, to love Christ Jesus would affect us in such a way that we would also be that grateful. And so let me just close with some words of an old hymn that says this, What can I give him poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I'd bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I'd do my part. What can I give? I can give my heart. Friends, today on this fifth Sunday of Lent, before we begin the observances of Holy Week, once more, once more, renew your commitment. Give Christ your heart. Give Christ the extravagance that He deserves. Don't hold back your best. Don't hold your gift back. Give it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Support with your resources the ministry of His church and all the forms that it takes. Be extravagant in your love for Christ and your love for those sinners who have not yet become redeemed. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us stand as we affirm our faith. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, in life and death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Let our ushers come forward as we receive our tithes and our offerings.
Will you stand? Let's sing together. Receive now the blessings of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Almighty and Eternal Triune God, one God, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. 